Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Ill Rumination podcast. Now, just a quick note. This episode was recorded back in the very hot summer of 2020 during the first lockdown. Um, So you will find some references to that in there just in case you're a bit confused. Thanks very much for your letters which have been coming in. Uh, Please email us at info at illrumination.com and we will try to solve your food-based conundrums. As always, there's a little bit of swearing in here, so be warned and enjoy the show. And the apocalyptic virus-ridden summer of 2020. Two friends with an interest in food and almost no regard for audio quality decided to start a podcast and in doing so proved a little knowledge as a dangerous thing. I've got to say though, this topic, I'm, I feel like I'm not necessarily, you know, an expert because I, I don't eat breakfast. You don't eat breakfast? No. Oh, right. Well, you never eat breakfast? Very rarely. Oh, right. I'm not hungry early in the morning, starving by 11. So I just, I just power on through with coffee. Oh, right. But you do understand the con- concept of a cooked breakfast. I understand the concept of a cooked breakfast. And, and you've cooked a cooked breakfast. I've cooked a cooked breakfast. The last time I had a cooked breakfast was for my birthday. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Claire cooked me a breakfast, which I think we had at around 12 o'clock. Well, I was just trying to say, that's one of the fundamentals of the cooked breakfast, is that you're normally having it after a day's or an evening's drinking, or a late night anyway. And by the time you've done it, you're probably going to be sitting down to eat it at 10, half past 10 or 11 anyway. Is it the, is it the best thing to have after an evening's drinking? No, I, I don't think so, actually. But um, it kind of goes with the, the, the territory, doesn't it, sometimes? I, I remember a number of occasions where I've, I've been kind of halfway through the cooked breakfast and then suddenly this kind of feeling of dread like drops in on me the hangover of all hangovers which pre- before that point before the breakfast i felt okay and then the breakfast kind of hits the stomach and then i feel like i don't just want to go back to bed but i want to go back to bed for a week and cry right and the only cure i'm afraid after that point is alcohol i was going to say is it a bloody mary i don't think that's why a bloody mary goes so well with a with a full english in my opinion I'll have a Bloody Mary in a full English, I'll hold the full English. Yeah. Yeah, I get my vitamins from the tomato juice, chilli sauce, a little bit of a pick-me-up and the vodka just, uh, or gin, I prefer gin in my Bloody Mary, just like smooths it all out. Lovely. And then obviously I go to work. <laughs> As a school bus driver. <laughs> yeah. It's the way Hemingway would have wanted it. So I've got a quiz for you. Oh, right. Okay. Which we can hit a little bit later on, which kind of ties into this idea of breakfast and hangovers quite nicely. Uh-huh. But I'll save it because I'm quite pleased, quite smug. That's like, I know that's 50% of my, of my natural kind of persona is smugness, but. Yeah. What's the other 50%? Uh, Self doubt and, you know, <laughs> panic, anxiety. <laughs> they just feed off each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is it bad to open a can of beer on air? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, I'm going to do it anyway. We're not, we're not policed by the BBC or anyone like that. I've been listening to some podcasts and some of them have got some really shit audio. So. The, the lockdown has decreased the quality of podcast audio, but increased the quantity of podcast audio quite considerably. Yeah, we'll do that. Because I think everyone's doing it this way. I think lockdown will create all the bees which is boozing yeah babies yeah broadcasts 
It's okay, yeah. Because people are bored. That's very good. Four Bs, you should patent that or something. Yeah, I did have, I did have another B, but I've forgotten it. Booze in babies, boredom and broadcasts. Oh, it was baking, it was baking. Oh, yeah, well, definitely baking has, has seen a large uptick. Mm. I hope everyone realises that homemade bread actually is really difficult to get right and in, on the whole is only good for toast. And, yeah, just don't do it, people. Turn your hands to other things, like babies and broadcasting. Well, there is that theory that, that actually coming out of this, there's going to be this huge kind of, you know, suddenly all of this work which people have been working on, this creative arts and things like that, is going to be launched into the world. And 2021 is just going to be full of hyper kind of creativity. Is that good? Well, it depends if there's just going to be a lot of kind of dramas based around lockdown and stuff and claustrophobia. Bacon for me is is probably the second most important element of any cooked breakfast. No, I, I prefer streaky bacon. Okay. What, why? Uh, I think I just like the, the fat content, if I'm honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Just, yeah. Just, you know, just, I think it just kind of cooks, cooks better. And also on a on a cooked breakfast, there's a lot of meat going on, so big thick cuts of of loin bacon can be excessive. Also, you can wrap it around things really well in other meals. You, you, I mean, yeah, it's good for like pigs in blankets or pig in blankets, as they call it in America. <laughs> Just one one pig in a sleeping bag. They're not even talking about the same thing. Oh, a pig in a blanket in America is a sausage roll. <laughs> No, it's not. No, it's true. <laughs> What's, oh, well, a pig in a blanket. It kind of makes sense. I'll cut this bit out if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I can kind of see where they're coming from, but you can't go, oh, what's this called? Oh, it's called a sausage roll. Oh, I'm not having that. I'm calling it a pig in a blanket. Oh, wait a minute. These are already got a name. They're already called pigs in blankets. Or well, what if we just take the plural out of it? What if we just make it singular? Oh, yeah, that'll do. No one will ever fucking notice. Not having that. Well, yeah. I mean, we just found two examples of Americans doing that. Then. Yeah, I said it's well, and they're both bacon related. And and so this uh, belly bacon. Mm. And I keep saying loin bacon. It might not be loin bacon. It might be back bacon. It's back bacon, isn't it? Yeah. Back bacon. Right. Okay. I'll edit that out to make me sound cleverer than I am. I was going to correct you, but I thought I was on dodgy ground. I've never progressed past the foodie freebie, which is just being given prawn crackers in a Chinese that I didn't want. That's as close to, oh, we really respect you um, as a as a food wine person, so we decided to give you something for free. It was like, yeah, have a carrier bag full of fucking minging, stinky, fishy, prawny, quavery things. But you, you shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth, Hods. Shouldn't never look a prawn cracker in the mouth. I definitely don't look at the ingredients anyway. You know, that's your snack for the way home. Nah, prawn crackers make do something strange to my tongue. <laughs> they stick. They stick to your tongue, don't they? They though? stick to your tongue, and then they slowly burn through it, um, <laughs> like a mild acid. I find a bit like um, pickled onion monster munch. Yeah, something like that. Or quavers. I always think. Well, I was about to say, you know, that the um, the quaver. Yeah. Prawn cocktail quaver. Yeah. That is just uh, like a hyper version of the prawn cracker. So someone's had a prawn cracker and gone, it's got like a, a medium, a mild to medium fishy flavor, and it's kind of sizzling on my tongue, but it's become quite cloying and annoying. What if we just, what if we just intensified the flavor and sped the process up really, really fast and made them small? Quavers are just steroid prawn crackers, aren't they? I wonder, what, I wonder what has more prawn in, a quaver or a prawn cracker? Uh, probably a bag of sand. <laughs> <laughs> Does that have any prawn in it? We're, we're doing podcast 57 in, during podcast number two. This is no good, is it? I, I know. Jeez. Prawn crackers, Chinese, Chinese snacks were supposed to be 57. <laughs> we'll cut this bit out and save it for later. But interestingly, you mentioned 57. Segway. Segway. We need a Segway noise. I'll cut that bit out and use it every single time now. Heinz, 57 57. varieties, beans. Do they have any place 
on a cooked breakfast, in your opinion? No. No. I thought you were going to ask me what the 57 varieties were, and I thought, wow, that is not only is that a fucking quiz out of the blue, but it's got <laughs> 57 answers that no one wants to hear. <laughs> but no, Beans does. Beans has. I've made the rules. I made rules of um, cooked breakfast. Do you want to hear them? Yeah, yeah, no, I think so. So the rules of the cooked breakfast are number rule number one is two of everything. Okay, I'm down with that. I don't want two sausages and one egg, or one egg and one sausage and one bacon, or any different machination of that. I want fucking two of everything. Number gotcha. two is no cheap meat products. So when you said about eating a eating a fry up after a hangover, if you've got one of those horrible acidy acid inducing producing, I should say, sausages on your plate, no, because that's what that's what makes you feel ill in in a fried breakfast. Is I think it's cheap meat products. Yeah. Three, no mashing stuff up. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but some people, once the breakfast arrives, take a fucking knife and fork to it and flay the bastard, mash it up into a, like a cooked breakfast gloop. What? That's... Yeah, it's disgusting. Well... So these sub rules on the no mashing up rule are like you can put an egg on toast and then eat it like it's a separate egg on toast. You know, you said like, the bits that make up a good meal anyway. Yeah. Like egg on toast is a good breakfast. Yeah. So you can make an egg on toast as part of your cooked breakfast by putting the egg on the toast. Yeah. And sometimes someone will say, where do you want your egg? And you go, oh, just put it on the toast. You can have the sausage and the egg. It's when you dip your sausage in the egg. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a nice combo. You can mash your black pudding on the toast and then put the egg on top. Yeah. But you can't flake, you can't mash up, you can't just mash everything up into a, into a blob. You just really can't. I'm not having it. Rule number four is no baked beans. <laughs> Grilled tomatoes, yes. <laughs> A fried tomato, yes. But rule number four is no baked beans because I think that's almost starting the mashing process up because that bean juice starts leaking all around the plate, sogifies your toast. So your toast is no longer toast. It just turns into a, into a mess. And um, rule number five is no scrambled egg. Obviously, boiled eggs and poached eggs are out anyway, because why would you put that? In? But no no scrambled eggs. Okay. Fucking fried egg. Fried egg only, yeah. Fried egg only, yeah. And then what constitutes a breakfast, minimum, minimum standard really, is egg, sausage, bacon, black pudding, tomatoes, and toast, caveat, or bread and butter. Now, I can see you raising an eyebrow there. You're a bit concerned about where this is going. If you could, oh, that was going quite well until you fucking brought up this really controversial bread toast issue. <laughs> like, build a fucking wall. That's what you were thinking, weren't you? Build a wall, toast people on one side, egg, bread and butter people on the other I, side. I wouldn't dare. No, I was thinking of something very different, actually. The, the reason you can have toast or bread is, I don't know if you agree with this, but the toast is the hardest part of doing a fryer or a cooked breakfast. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's quite easy to get your sausages, your bacon, egg, and everything like that to the crescendo of putting it on a plate. Obviously, I'm talking from the perspective that you're making your own breakfast here or you're making it for other people. But timing the toast, especially if you've got more than four people you're cooking for and you've only got a two-slice toaster or what have you, is a fucking nightmare. So I can absolutely understand why people go for the old... Uh, Buttered bread. And buttered bread is good for a mop-up. Yeah, that's true. And it's easier to eat. And also you can, if you're being a bit cheeky, have a kind of a... Little side sandwich. Little side sandwich, rasher of bacon and, and some of the egg. If you had that, would you have have your breakfast and make a sandwich and eat the sandwich, then eat the rest of your breakfast? Or do you eat a bit of breakfast, then have a sandwich mid-breakfast or save it to the end? I like my, any sandwich with bacon in, that bacon has to be mouth-burningly hot, so it would probably happen towards the beginning of the breakfast. Right. That's a good shout. I'm completely with you on the beans. They have no place on a breakfast. For that very reason, it just sullies the flavours of everything else. The beauty of a breakfast is that you can have 
individual mouthfuls of very defined and complementary flavours. And bean juice screws everything up. Yeah, bean juice is an, odd, an oddity, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's just a wrong one. And, and also, the beans are either, like in general, unless you are just cooking beans for beans on toast, they're either overcooked, so they're really sweet and sickly, or they're undercooked and they're watery. There's no place for them. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of beans, full stop. And if I do make beans on toast, I will really slowly cook the beans until all that water and wateriness has gone off, gone from it. Yeah. And it's actually quite stodgy. And then I just put chili sauce on it anyway. So. Yeah. It's all about the chili sauce. <laughs> it's all about the chili sauce. So the, um, the toast and bread and butter thing also reminded me of something. I don't know if you've ever had this, but have you ever been to a, a B&B or a hotel and had the breakfast there? And the, the problem with the toast also rolls over into the hospitality industry where they can't work out the best way of doing toast. So sometimes you go up to the buffet and you pick all the meat and the eggs and the things that you want, but establishment will do your toast for you and bring it out to your table. Or sometimes there's a toaster and a big pile of bread and you make your own toast. Yeah. And then there's a big fucking queue going out the door as you, everyone's breakfast is getting cold on the plate whilst they're all waiting to get toast. Or, and this is the worst one, is they have a conveyor belt thing. Oh, you don't like the conveyor belt? You put two, two bits in at one end and then you walk, you walk slowly to the other end and it falls out and it's not cooked enough. You put it back in again. So then you, you pick it up and you go back around the other end to put it back on and someone else is already doing theirs, so they're now in the way. It's very confusing. Yeah, and then yours comes out and someone goes, oh, that looks like mine. That looks really good. And they take it and you're like, that was fucking mine. And before you know it, you're having a fight with an old lady over whose fucking toast is cute. Bournemouth Beach situation. <laughs> the Bournemouth Beach situation, yeah. <laughs> oh, terrible. It just it reminded me of, we went to a, a, my nephew's christening in Cheltenham and we went downstairs in the hotel in the morning for breakfast. And my dad and his partner were um, already sat down on a table of four, just the two of them. So me and Gillian went over and sat with them. And um, this woman came stomping over and she went, did I seat you? And I said, beg pardon. She went, did I seat you? I said, no, you, no, we just saw my dad. So we just sat down. She went, oh, well, now you've ruined the toast order. <laughs> I said, Kim, that's not good customer service, but if your world is toast, the hardest thing in the cooked breakfast to pull off, then I can understand where you're coming from. So I let it slide. You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to have a bit of patience with people in these industries. It's not easy, is it? But bizarrely, the breakfast came out and all the toast came out at the same time, and I was actually quite impressed. So it was a nice breakfast. It was in Cheltenham, so you know the sausages were lovely. It was probably like 50% horse anyway from the races, you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, you and I have cooked a, a full English together for like kind of quite a few people at, at a time. Yeah. It's a stressful endeavour. And I can only imagine how tough it is when you've got, you know, paying guests. I don't envy those people. But going back to your egg point, I think fried eggs actually are a tricky thing to do en masse. I'm, a, I, I'm with you completely on the scrambled eggs thing as well, because if you, the tendency I think is when you're cooking on mass is to do those scrambled eggs a bit too early. Yeah. Then they end up all watery and rubbery anyway, and they don't really sit well with the rest of the the food on the plate. No, they're too yellow. Yeah, too yellow, and fried eggs have their own sauce. <laughs> they come with a a packet of delicious sauce, <laughs> which is yellow. Which is yellow. Yeah, but not too yellow. <laughs> Why did I just agree with you on that? <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't having time to get you to agree with yellow comments. <laughs> so I know with the fried eggs on mass. Yeah, yes. Are you talking conjoined eggs where all the egg whites in the pan all meet up and create one enormous multi-yoked egg? I wasn't going to, no. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Because that's some real pain. Is if you put, if you've got a really big frying pan and you crack five eggs into it, the egg whites will run into each other. And then you've got one massive egg with five yolks. And then when you divide it up with your spatula, you've got square whites. You've got, it's got square eggs. One's bigger than the other. 
yeah. one of them is barely just a yoke with a little bit you know you need to be a surgeon who's used to like getting those twins that are all stuck together and picking them you need someone to do that for you and that is just not possible with a fish slice it also makes it quite difficult to cook them accurately as well yeah right? but i've seen in the pro world they have those rings yeah we mean in mcdonald's like i said the pro world because <laughs> <laughs> you always get a run of yolk in mcdonald's don't you I don't know. It's been a long time. No, you don't. <laughs> you, don't. you get a disc of egg. It's amazing. I've never had one, but you have a duck a disc of egg, but there's no yolk. So it's not even an egg. It's just a piece of rubber. It's amazing. <laughs> or they've got a big, um, what's a big, you know, the big flat steel, hot steel thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A, a um, what do they call that? I know what you mean. Not a griddle. Yeah. Is it? Uh... They call it a griddle in, uh, in the diners in America. Yeah, yeah. Like a big flat thing. I think we call it a plant. A plancher. Right. You can fry whatever you want on that. Yeah. Yeah. You could fry a pig in a blanket on that, like a whole pig in a sleeping bag. You <laughs> just toss that on and just fry it up. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do worry about conjoined eggs. It's better to have two smaller frying pans. Two two little frying pans is better than one mega frying pan where you you might get conjoined eggs. And, and these uh, these eggs, when they're separate, um, do you flip them? That's tricky as well sometimes because you want the yolk runny, but you don't want to break that yolk. So some people flick the fat on top. Have you seen that? Yeah. They flat the, flip the, flip the, the fat, flat. Uh, flip the fat on top. Some people flip them. I sometimes flip. I find that the the younger the egg, like as in the less time, the fresher the egg is what I'm getting at. The the prouder the white sits. Mm. so the harder it is to cook that white yeah so you might need to flip it the other thing is that non-stick cookware has meant that you're less likely to use a lot of fat in your pan anyway so yeah which is good which is good could you put a lid on your pan i don't want steamed eggs no might experiment with that and see what happens what about a crispy white do you like a crispy white not really no i quite like the texture do you mean like where the where the eggshell's being removed from the crack process and you're left with a little string of white which goes really crispy? Or where it's been cut through so the bottom has actually got a crisp bottom? Yeah, I mean that. But you do need quite a lot of fat to get that right. Yeah, I don't mind that, as long as the yolk's um, still runny. Otherwise, you've got nothing to smear on your toast and like, dip your sausage in. Right, so we, the, the egg gives sauce to the plate, but we do have the option of additional sauces. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang my hat on a peg or whatever they say and say, for me, it's ketchup. So going back to Heinz, it's ketchup or nothing. Right. Brown sauce is, is, only, is, is, is only allowed in sausage sandwiches. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, okay. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. What I was going to ask you though is, if you made a little side sandwich, yeah, would you be? Could you be more experimental with the side sandwich and put some Tabasco on a little cooked breakfast side sandwich? If it had egg in, yeah, yeah, like an egg and bacon side sandwich with a little bit of Tabasco, yeah, and then ketchup on your main. What's left of your main? Yeah, you're right. Because that's what I was going to ask you before about another conversation we were having is about tabasco yeah like you just why isn't that just on every every table on every food in cafes you always get salt vinegar red sauce brown sauce don't you and you don't always get mustard and stuff like that but a little tabasco i wonder you know things have moved on haven't they yeah we're not living a pro tabasco world i mean frank's frank's is a is a is another kind of quite mild hot sauce, but has the same vinegary kind of spicy kick. The advert for Frank's in America anyway is that uh, it's usually an old an old lady and she says, I put that shit on everything. <laughs> it's something like that anyway. I'm paraphrasing. It's true. Actually, yeah. A bit of Tabasco, you know, some in your Bloody Mary, some in your, on your impromptu sandwich. If you're taking your own Bloody Mary to a cafe in order to have breakfast... <laughs> You might as well take the Tabasco with you, right? Every greasy spoon should have a, a Bloody Mary on the menu. I've never had one. You've never had a Bloody Mary? No, no. When, when, when I was younger, 
well, my mum still is. She's she's teetotal. She only ever used to drink tomato juice in the pub. And I remember, you know, like when you have a sip of your dad's beer. Yeah. I just I said, oh, I can have a sip of your drink. And I remember drinking tomato juice. Oh my! It was all, <laughs> just one of those things that never really left me. It was like, oh, that's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Now I know I know the the content and quality of a Sam Hill came free in the post to review it. Bloody Mary would be fucking amazing. But I'm talking uh, one of those little bottles of tomato juice that lives in a fridge in a dodgy pub. On its own, any tomato juice just tastes like cold tomato soup. Yeah. That's the fact. Add some Tabasco and a shot of vodka and some lemon juice, and suddenly you have breakfast of champions. (laughs) Your um, high-end snobbery, Bloody Mary, (laughs) consists of gin and, was it fish? Some sort of fucking... Crab juice or something. <laughs> what, you, what is it? That stuff you've got? You're talking about uh, it's a Canadian invention called clamato juice, which is a, a combination of clam juice and some other. Fucking hell! If anyone if anyone mentions clamato juice, I'm going to see my GP. That's terrible. And <laughs> must be a fucking cream for that. And um, I can honestly say, based on the cl- the only clamato juice I've ever drunk, is it's it's really strange. Yeah. And a Bloody Mary made with clamato juice is called a Bloody Caesar because of probably because of the bar that it was invented in. Right. Um, but oh, oh no, that oh, no one wants shellfish in the morning. That's my rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I have my um, five rules of cooked breakfast. I think I'll have a sip, no, no shellfish allowed. <laughs> So yeah, clamato juice, nice bit of uh, kind of um, craft chili sauce with some ghost peppers and stuff like that. A little bit of freshly squeezed lime juice, um, a stick of organic celery brought to my yeah. bed. <laughs> ah, but speaking of kind of savoury cocktails with gin involved, <laughs> we were talking the other day actually about a, a, a cocktail made with beef stock and, oh, yeah. and gin which is called a bull shot. So, you know, a nice version of that might just be a tablespoon of Bovril. Yeah. I'm sure there's people back in the day who used to go to the football in the Midlands and get a, hot, a, cup, a cup of hot Bovril and put a shot of something in it to keep the cold out. Lovely. So you think further down the line we should definitely do something about meat, meat-based, <laughs> meat-based cocktails. <laughs> I'll save the juices from a, the next brisket I smoke. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll fish an oxo cube out. <laughs> yeah, why not? I, I, you know, I've I've not seen anything in food media over the past sort of thirty or forty years about <laughs> savoury cocktails. <laughs> right. Do you remember going to a cafe in a London park? I can't remember the name of the park, but you had to walk up the through the park, and it's on a hill. And it's just like a breakfast place on the hill. No. Now, this place had what I thought was quite a progressive um, way of managing the cooked breakfast. And I just wanted your view on it. Okay. Which is the fully, it was a fully itemized breakfast menu. Right. So there was no belly buster breakfast, big boy breakfast, little boy breakfast, standard breakfast, uh, recovery breakfast. There wasn't a different size of breakfast or different combinations of breakfast with different names yeah every item was just itemized so one egg one fried egg 50 pence one sausage quid two rashes of bacon quid toast quid and and you just put it all together you just went you just went to the thing and you just said i'll have one one sausage or two in my case two sausages two eggs two bacon two toast a this a that and the other and every single bit of it was itemized do you remember that? Probably don't. No. I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was absolutely brilliant because if you were halfway through your breakfast and you thought, I could do with another egg, <laughs> matey boy would just cook you an egg and bring it over. The other thing which is good about that, of course, is, is if you're not, like, starving hungry, yeah. you could just cut it down to the bare essentials. Yeah, you don't have to order the child's breakfast. No. There's no shame. <laughs> which is made with inferior products because children don't matter right i've got two 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 things 
which I need to ask you about before we get on to um, the quiz. Yeah, the quiz. One is bread. So I raised an eyebrow earlier because you said either toast or buttered bread, and you omitted yeah. something which I think can spoil a breakfast but could also make a breakfast, and that is fried bread. Oh, yeah, fried bread. At its worst, it is a crispy sponge full of eight, you know, weekday-old vegetable oil. <laughs> and its best, it is a carefully crafted, bacon-fat-soaked, crispy deliciousness. The best fried bread is unfortunately very difficult to make for more than one person because it generally involves frying your bread in the bacon fat after you've taken the bacon out of the pan. Deep fried bread is has no place on on a menu anywhere in the world. I I don't think. But croutons, croutons, breadcrumbed on the outside of a schnitzel. Yeah, okay. Breadcrumbs on the outside of both things. Yes. <laughs> if you deep fat fry it's intensely quite good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Apart from fish. I went to Scotland once, the best fish and chip shop in Scotland, and they produced breaded haddock. I was fucking fuming. I was absolutely fuming. It seems a bit worthy. Oh, it was like, if you just run out of batter, <laughs> but you happen to have loads of breadcrumbs, like, what, what is this? And I'd only gone there, and I'd taken like a 90-mile detour to go to this place. It was like the best fish and chip shop in Britain. And we went there. And I said, I got this breaded haddock and I was fucking fuming. So I went straight back in and ordered a battered haddock. Because if you didn't ask, if you didn't specify, you just got breaded. What? O- ordered a battered haddock. I ate them both. Um, <laughs> Which was better? <laughs> and the, ba- the battered one, obviously. <laughs> and it, this is award winning fish and chip shop. That's what I do. When I go around the country, if, like, I think, oh, I'm going to go for a nice walk in this area of the country. I'll look for a, a well rated fish and chip shop. And I'll go there. And so I thought, I'm going to look into this award that they've won because they've just served me a breaded haddock and I'm not happy about it. And then you realise this award, you know, like there's loads of fish and chips yeah. awards in there. This award was broken down into so many different, like they'd, they'd won for points for staff development. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, recycling. Right. <laughs> it's like... All these things, which are really worthy, but none of them really affected the, the taste of the thing that you put in your mouth. They won an award for best use of uh, stale crusts. Yes. Yeah, they managed to fucking recycle breadcrumbs. And I was uh, the penny dropped then that not all fish and, chop, fish and chip shop awards are equal. Yeah. And you've got to go with the national fish and chip shop awards. If you are travelling around the country... And you want to find a good fish and chip shop and do your little bit of research. Oh, you can't just go to the first gold medal that's hooked around a fish and chip shop because you've got no control of that shit. No. Well. Which might have been common sense to most people, but I, I learned a little lesson that day. Right, I'm going to get a beer before I ask you about potato products. So. Uh... Okay. That's right. You go and get a fucking beer. 7%. Fucking Posho IPA, seven pound a can, just delivers by the fucking Royal Mail. Here you go, Sam. Try these and tell us if you like them. Hello, mate. Right, I've had, a, had a chance to think about potato products on the breakfast. No, because I am going to go and get a beer. I'll think about it on the way to the beer. Oh, what a lovely brew. Sorry about that. I had to go to the uh, fridge in the garage. Oh, it's hot out there. Ooh, yeah. I love having a garage, mate. I love having a garage and I love having a fridge in the garage that you can put beers in. Yeah, I wish I had one. And those extra, the extra 12 steps that you take to go and get the beer nullifies the calories in the it beer. It does, yeah. So it's, um, it's good. It's a neutraliser. <laughs> Well, in this weather, in this weather as well, the sweat that you're producing probably is probably net, you know net negative calories. Yeah, it's a good system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, potato products on a on a breakfast. Cooked breakfast, yeah. On a cooked breakfast, no, because I would say if you because like you said earlier, each mouthful should have its own individual flavour or element. To yeah. It. 
And there's enough combinations on the plate already that you don't need a big pile of stomach filling um, potato product, be it uh, chips or hash brown. a hash brown or something like that. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do like hash browns. I do like hash browns. I like bird's eye potato waffles, to be fair. They're waffly versatile, that's why I like them. <laughs> They're very versatile, I found. The hash browns are very difficult to cook, right? Uh, from scratch. Deep fried prepackaged ones are easier to cook, but still oh. not quite right for a brekkie. Just not needed. Just not needed. And and actually, before we go into the quiz, I do have one more question to ask you, and it's that's regarding not just black pudding but offal in general. And I'll, I'll I'll preface this with a little story. Black pudding obviously is delicious and mm. deserves its place on a on a cooked breakfast plate because black pudding goes amazingly well with egg and it goes amazingly well with mushroom and it goes amazingly well with tomato. It also comes in very convenient slices or, or otherwise, you know, to, to fry off in, in the pan. My brother is married to a Northern Irish lady and they have their own version of a British fry up called an Ulster fry. Now, as far as I can tell, an Ulster fry just involves maybe some slightly different bread products you know, there's a fried kind of bread thing. Soda bread? Uh, it's not soda bread. It's a farl. That's what they call it. It's a farl. It's quite tasty, actually. It works oh, quite, right, right. quite okay. well. But my brother insists as well, and I don't know if this is a Northern, Northern Irish thing, so I'll fact check this afterwards, but he insists that every breakfast should also come with fried liver and fried kidneys. I thought you were going to say a white sausage. Liver and kidneys? No. Okay, good. Right. No, 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 no. Is that, is that standard? Is that like a standard? I don't know. And I really should have checked on that beforehand. I thought it, it's just something my brother does, I think. For in large amounts? In enough to make it so that if you have a hangover, your stomach is really not good after that. But actually, that would be quite a good place if you were forced to eat that, to have your Tabasco sauce at the ready, because I think that would help that kind of go down. Illumination. Uh, okay, it's quiz time. I'm, I'm go- I've got five breakfasts here right. of famous people, past and present, and you have to make a guess. Some are hard, some are easy. You have to make a guess at whose breakfast these were. So these are the breakfasts people ate, that they were famous Famous or eating, or that it has been recorded that they uh, they have requested this for breakfast at some point. Ah, uh, okay. I thought you were going to say something like Kiva Sutherland, and I'd have to say the breakfast would be a smashed steak and kidney pie. <laughs> it looks like it. It's not no, that abstract. No, because that could go down some very dark paths, and I don't, <laughs> I don't want to go there. Famous people and what they were fam- what they ate for breakfast. Yeah, so we're going to start off with a very easy one. Easy, I hope, anyway, right? So two trays of food. The first, a poached egg, toast, jam, butter coffee with milk, a glass of cold milk, some cold chicken and meat. Second tray, a grapefruit, sugar, some orange squash, whiskey soda, followed by washing hands and a cigar. Uh, Winston Churchill? Yes. Wasn't there a champagne in there at some point? Or was that like mid, mid-morning? mid No, weirdly enough, he, he, he didn't ask for champagne with this particular one. So this was, he was, in 1954, he was on a plane and he wasn't satisfied with the breakfast that was provided to him. So he rewrote the menu. Okay, and that's okay. what he asked for. But interesting that he added wash hands cigar at the end. Yeah. I admire that a lot. So much so, I reckon they should put a statue of him outside Parliament. <laughs> well, actually, that was going to be a follow-up to this. For each of these breakfasts, could you manage those things for breakfast? I reckon, and once I've explained this, you'll agree with me, yeah? Yeah. I reckon I could eat that, and I reckon I could pretty much eat all the other breakfasts that you're going to describe. Okay. Because I've had breakfast in a hotel in Europe, and I've sat there, and they've had continental breakfast, French-style croissants, um, pain chocolat, toast, cheese. They've had German hard-boiled eggs, some sort of salami-type sausage with pepper in and all the rest of it. Yeah. They've had an English breakfast, which is the eggs, bacon, sausage, 
toast, what have you. They've had a pile of fruit. They've had tea, coffee, hot chocolate, grapefruit juice, apple juice, orange juice, and what have you. And I've sat there and ate pretty much all of it. The, the Continental Hotel breakfast is the pinnacle of overeating. You've always got that thing in your mind, especially when you're younger and you're a bit broke, which is if we eat enough at breakfast, we don't have to pay for lunch and we can, ex- we can afford a more expensive evening meal. <laughs> and the best one, we were in the Polonia Hotel in Warsaw, the only nice building left in Warsaw after it got flattened in the Second World War. We're getting stuck into this breakfast. And you could do, this is just about the whiskey. I was thinking, you know, can you drink alcohol at breakfast? So we're in the hotel. The evening, it's a bar. In the morning, it's the breakfast uh, place. And there's a big uh, trolley with a tray on it with a pile of ice on it with bottles of vodka sticking out of the ice. And I'm hungover and I walk past and I kind of I think to myself, oh, they must be left over from last night. Obviously, my brain's not working. The ice would have melted, right? So we sat down, <laughs> sat down to eat the breakfast. But this geezer just gets up, walks over to the pile of ice, pours himself a shot of fucking vodka, necks it, sits back down, and carries home with his breakfast. And I've never seen anything like that before. So I thought I'd give it a go. And um, I did manage to, to do it, actually. I was quite surprised. I reckon I could handle Churchill's breakfast and I would wash my hands because, you know, it's a COVID-19 situation. The other thing about those incredibly long... Uh continental breakfast is i sometimes find that i have to especially after the first coffee i have to take a little break to fit more in anyway um <laughs> my problem with uh, with churchill's breakfast actually is not it's probably that after eating all of that washing my hands i'd be fine it would be the cigar that would make me throw everything up afterwards oh i wasn't planning on eating the cigar but he was famous for um smoking a cigar for breakfast and so there's this there's this story where a, a a lawyer had gone over to mr churchill's residence to talk to him about something in the morning for a breakfast meeting and churchill was trying to persuade him to indulge in a full english uh, because you know the housekeeper would prepared everything in advance but the lawyer was not feeling particularly hungry so he said i'll just have what you're having mr churchill and so the uh, churchill shouted out Bring Mr. Heyman a brandy and a cigar. <laughs> so that typically was Churchill's breakfast in bed as he read the newspapers and, and everything else. Good. Person number two. Question number two. This is much more up to date, so this person is still alive. That's your clue. At 3.15 a.m., this person wakes up. They eat some steel oats, whatever steel oats are, I guess porridge, peanut butter, blueberries and eggs. They have a protein shake. They have three turkey burgers and five pieces of sweet potato, and then they work out for two hours. Then at 8 a.m., they eat 10 turkey meatballs. And I could go on, but the whole list of food that they eat throughout the day is pretty horrific. Is this the um, Mark Wahlberg <laughs> joke morning thing? Is it, Mark, is it Marky Mark? It's Marky Mark. It's nail, nail on the head, yes. Two out of two. Was it a joke? I thought he was serious. <laughs> yeah, I think it was because it was one. Of, it was like a Monty Python sketch. He went to bed half an hour before uh, he got yeah. got up or whatever. You know, like fair enough. No, 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 no. Too much, too much, too much protein. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Sweet potatoes. Do you know what I mean? Make a choice: potato, sweet potato. What do you want to be? Do you want to be a potato? Do you want to be something else? Like. Don't linger around in between the two things. You, so you're not a fan of the sweet potato? Not massively. I no. hate the thing. Too run, too sweet. <laughs> okay, so you, you're not down with the Mark Wahlberg. You've spoiled the quiz now because you brought up sweet potatoes. <laughs> well, well, we'll move on to something. Piss me right we'll move on. on to something a lot more refined. This is not a cooked breakfast. Um, it better not have cauliflower steak <laughs> in it, which is not a steak. Come either. on, Hodge. That's episode fourteen. Vegetarian and vegan dishes which are taking the piss. Okay, so this person wakes up and this is brought to her room. Uh, it's a glass, oh, sorry, a cup of Twining's English breakfast tea in a bo- bone china cup. She also has a biscuit with that, apparently. Then she gets up, she goes downstairs, and she has a bowl of cornflakes with her husband whilst reading the Racing Post and listening to the t- Today programme on Radio 4. Is that? 
Her Royal Highness Queen Elizabeth II. It is. Yeah, that's right. I like the way she. you said she goes downstairs. Sorry, she's carried downstairs. <laughs> she's, goes, she's fucking carried downstairs by a, a fleet of corgis where she has... She reads the racing post with her husband who just has... Uh, Greek yogurt. <laughs> Greek yogurt. The thing I, I love most about this, this, and I don't know how true this is, but that she she reads the Racing Post. That's her only newspaper. She loves a horse. She does. She? <laughs> she owns a lot. Keeps of it real. Billy Conley said the working classes and the aristocracy are okay because generally they get on. Like they like the same <laughs> things, which is like boozing, gambling, yeah. and you know being outrageous. It's the the beige Volvo middle class people who are the pain in the ass. Yeah. And that's that kind of like thing. She gets up and reads the Raising Post. It's like, it's pigeon fanciers in Newcastle who fucking do that. <laughs> they don't listen to Radio 4. They don't listen to the Today programme, maybe. But um, they're halfway there. Right. The next two are both hangover cure breakfasts. Right. So who recommends as a hangover cure breakfast 12 amyl nitrates in conjunction with as many beers as necessary. This person is passed. Uh, I'll give you that as a clue. Person is no longer alive. <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking of anyone who was alive. <laughs> Twelve. I think that's important. That's one of those words. That's one of those words I've never been able to say. Is aminal. 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 Animal nitrates. Twelve animal nice faces. Hamster. Uh, monkey, nice monkey, not one of those evil ones. Budgie, I'll stop there. Oh, no fucking idea. Hunter S. Thompson, that was. Oh yeah, he's dead. Yeah. yeah. The last one should be pretty easy. This person is dead already. So the the solution to his hangovers was one jigger of absinthe into a champagne glass. Add champagne until milky. Drink three to five of these slowly. This cocktail is known as Death in the Afternoon. I bet it is. Five of them before the afternoon. When you've got a hangover, yeah. Okay, so dead male, heavy drinker, absinthe and champagne. That's quite highfalutin, that, isn't it? Yeah. Like, that's quite bohemian, isn't it? Yes. So I'm going down artistic... Flamboyant, artistic. You may be veering slightly away from um, the, the, the particular art that this person was known for. Less flamboyant. Quite masculine. How about uh, the matey that used to did the Marilyn Monroe face paintings and like uh, Campbell soup and what have you? Is he dead? He is dead, yeah. No, Andy Warhol, no. He enjoyed, Andy he enjoyed a, a walk. His mornings were basically a walk on a, a rainy New York morning. That was his favourite thing. No, this is someone oh. someone a lot more butch, but wrote a lot about war and wrote a book called Death in the Afternoon. <laughs> oh, right. I don't know that book. A famous boozer. Oh, there's loads of them, isn't there? It was uh, Hemingway. Oh, was he a big boy, was he? So for whom the bell tolls? Uh, yeah, I think it might be. Uh, the man, the old man in the sea. Uh, and also a fantastic book called... A Movable Feast, which is a collection of his essays about food and booze. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, no, I remember that, yeah. I didn't realise you were a Hemingway fan. Well, I've only read A Movable Feast. <laughs> I read about topics I'm interested in. When you say a movable feast? A movable feast, yeah. Pretty much just him moving between Paris and Lyon, as far as I can tell. Wow. And did he get paid to do this? Oh, probably, I'm researching a book. This is this is the thing which makes me, you know, quite jealous of artists in those days was that they just basically tra- moved to Europe. I'm going to spend a year in Lyon just, you know, writing my next novel. And can I have an advance? I guess you have to be a talented writer. But... I was going to say, if you get your head down, work hard, you know, someone else might start funding your alcoholism for you. That's what this podcast's for, Hodge. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a lot easier to sit here drinking like gabble on about crap than uh, actually we're fed up of doing this via zoom <laughs> whilst sat in london and manchester 
we think it would work a lot better in a little place in Barcelona. <laughs> what do you reckon? You can research the local tapas bars and 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 yeah, the best the best cooked breakfast in Barcelona. Ah, oh, best breakfast I ever had in Barcelona. I was very hungover. I was walking down Las Ramblas and I walked past all the touristy places and then I walked past a place which had virtually no one in it. And I walked in and I didn't know what I was ordering, but it was their special of the day and it was a sandwich. And it came over and it was basically just a black pudding sandwich. Oh, wow. (laughs) But, oh man, they know how to make black pudding in Spain. How was it cooked? Not much. (laughs) (laughs) They rely on the curing process. <laughs> was it mashed into the bread? Was it like mashed up or was it like slices? Slices. Or? It's quite a firm, it's firmer than our our black pudding. Yeah. Large lumps of lard running through it as well, like ours. Yeah. And some um, black pudding in Spain has rice in it as well to keep it kind of texturally interesting. But I did not know I needed that breakfast until it was put in front of me. What kind of bread was it? Almost just like a, a, a kind of a crusty baguette style, but I don't know what they call oh, okay. it in, in France, uh, in Spain rather. That was wonderful. So in the quiz, I get three out of five. Three out of five. But you didn't answer the question as to whether you could handle these two breakfasts. Could you? Oh, right. Well, am- absinthe and champagne before, no. Right. Well, I could, but it would be fucking messy. It would probably be dangerous for everybody else, so... What was the other one? 12 amyl nitrates with as many. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, See the previous answer. (laughs) Right, I think, I think, I think, I think we've sewn up breakfast. (laughs) Excellent, good work. Hmm. We can now put that topic to bed and no one ever has to discuss breakfast ever again.